How many of you believe in your weakness, He can be our strength? Amen. Amen. Hey, it won't hurt you when they get done singing. Just shout it out there. Say, Amen. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody here. How many of you glad to be saved this morning? Good. Well, you know what? Uh, How many of you believe you're a winner? I believe it. If you're saved, you're a winner. You're on the winning side. So if we was to sing the winning side this morning, could y'all do it with a smile on your face? Amen, because you're a winner. I don't know. Y'all look like a tough crowd this morning. Everybody get sleep. Everybody get plenty of rest. All right. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get up to gusts of 30 miles an hour here, so y'all better get ready. I know it's warm in here, isn't it? For some reason, I don't know why. I know I got here a little late this morning to get the air on, but uh, it's showing that it's down to where it needs to be. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But we're so glad all of you are here. How many of you would like to get out of here early this morning. I appreciate we got one honest person, amen? And he's holding it loud and proud, real high. Yeah, he's even going to amen the preacher. And, uh, you know, some people have the idea, yes, church is serious, but you know what the Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And uh, I'm telling you right now, I get nervous around people that never laugh. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And just because we're saved doesn't need to mean that we're miserable. We ought to be joyful, amen? And I'm free in the Lord. And I hope you know him as your personal Savior this morning. Now you know that on Sundays I've been preaching through the life of David. Last week we looked at the friendship of Jonathan and David, but we made comparison. I believe it's a a type, a symbol of our greatest heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jonathan and David were friends and it was Jonathan that uh, instigated the friendship. He was the one that came to David. Uh, We also realize that the Bible said Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And I'm glad that our heavenly friend loves us as his own soul. He loved us so much that he gave himself a ransom for us. He paid for our sin. And then we also learned that Jonathan protected David. And I'm thankful, aren't you glad, that our heavenly friend uh, protects us from the wiles of the devil. Then I'm also thankful that Jonathan sacrificed for David... And oh, our great heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, sacrificed all for us. And then we also know that he interceded on the behalf of David. And thank God I'm glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is ever interceding for us. So I hope you know that what a friend we have in Jesus. So as we continue this study in the life of David, I'm going to ask you to open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21. Now we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 20 in just a moment, but I want us to look in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I want us to get us caught up. Now we've seen the friendship of Jonathan and how he loved him, how he protected him, how he sacrificed for him, how he interceded for him. And so in chapter 20, we realize that the jealousy of his father Saul has overtaken King Saul. And now we know that we're going to see something turn here in chapter 21. Now quickly, let me get you caught up to chapter 21, and then we're going to look at chapter 20. We're going to read a few verses. But in chapter 20, we know that uh, Jonathan and David are trying to figure out, where is Saul at? Is he going to 
kill David? Is he not going to kill David? Because Saul was up and down. One moment he was okay. Next moment his uh, anger was kindled against David. And he was up and down. And of course David felt like that uh, Saul was going to kill him. Jonathan kept trying to hope for his father that he wasn't. But finally in chapter 20, we realize that there's no doubt about it. King Saul, his jealousy has overcome him. His fear of David has overcome him. And he made it very clear to his son Jonathan, I'm going to kill David. So we know that he had a system of arrows that Jonathan had an arrow shot. And it was a signal to David to know that he was not safe and he was to leave. And in chapter 20, the end of it, we see Jonathan and David giving a very uh, compassionate, very sorrowful goodbye. And so in chapter 21, we're recognizing for the first time in David's life, he's a fugitive. He's running from the king Saul on whom he did serve, whom Saul has given his daughter to, who he also made, Saul had made David, over the men of war, But the jealousy of Saul has become so defeating in Saul's life, he hates David. And we know that this all began when David killed Goliath. So in chapter 21, we're looking at a young man that is now running for his life. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. The Bible says, Then came David to Nob, to Elimelech, the priest. And Elimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. Now that's interesting. Why would he be afraid of David coming uh, to the tabernacle? Then the Bible says, And said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? Now here's something that we would have never thought of David. And David said unto Elimelech, the priest, the king, hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now I'm going to explain all this in a moment. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg. An Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Elimelech, And there is not here under thine hand spear or sword. For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here, 
And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning as we read thy word, as we expound upon it. I pray you'll do what no man can do. Speak to our hearts and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture. Uh, We see that David has already been anointed king. But yet, instead of being the acting king, we now see him becoming a fugitive. He's running for his life. Jonathan in chapter 20 just told him, my father is going to kill you. Now we know for several chapters, we're going to study in the life of David, that he's going to be hunted like an animal by King Saul. His father is going to try to kill him. Now remember, David has already been anointed king. But yet we know that the time for him to take that kingship is not yet. Could you imagine being a young man like David and knowing that God has chosen you to be a king and he's anointed you king, but yet it's not your time? Think about the humility that that required. Think of the long-suffering that required in the life of David. But we're going to learn here. Now, I want you to notice chapter 21 is starting a downgrade in David's life. A downgrade. And I want you to notice, I believe chapter 20 is the key to this downgrade. Would you just turn back one chapter? Let's look at verse number one and let's open this up. And I want you to let the Bible come to life. I want you to put flesh on it. I want you to think like if you were David. I want you to look at verse one. Now think of this. Here David was minding his own business several years before, taking care of his sheep. And the Lord says to Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house you're going to find a man there that I'm going to anoint to be the next king of Israel. So when Samuel goes there, he thinks that Eliab, the the oldest son, is going to be chosen, which he's not, runs all the children, all the sons by Samuel, and the Lord said, none of them. Samuel said, do you have another? Jesse said, I have my youngest son. He's out watching sheep. He says, go fetch him. I'm glad, praise God, Samuel was southern. Amen? Go fetch him. And so when he brought David before him, the Lord said, anointing, that's him. Why? Because he said, I look upon the heart. Now, right after he was anointed, Saul starts to be discomfited, the most powerful man in Israel. And he says, look, I need someone to help me. So the servants tell Saul, we know a young man by the name of David. He said, he's skillful on the harp. We'll call him and we'll let him sit in your palace. And when you get discomfort, when you start getting discouraged, we're going to have him play for you. Saul said, that's great. The Bible said David behaved himself wisely. He went and he, and he sung for Saul. He played the harp for Saul. And then the Bible said that he also uh, behaved so well that Saul gave him his daughter to wed. And he also put him over the men of war. So David has certainly changed uh, from the time that he was a shepherd boy, a giant killer, an aide to the king. Now he's a fugitive. Now he's thinking in his mind, what is going on here? What in the world is going on here? You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Look at verse 1 of chapter 20. After all of this takes place in his life, look at verse 1 of chapter 20. And David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, notice this, what have I done? 
What is mine iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? We see a breaking point in verse 1. Now, before we're too hard on David, we must understand, look, this is a young man that his whole life has just changed. You say, what has happened to David? I'm going to tell you what happened to David. Circumstances has happened to David. Life has happened to David. Just like circumstances happens with us, just like uh, life happens with us, just like heartaches happen to him, what happened to us, just as he thought, what is going on here? This is unfair. He was confused. He was going, what have I done to your father? He's discouraged. He's in despair. He's confused. You ever been there? David was there. I think it's very important. I believe this is the key that is starting the downgrade of David's life. And by the way, These circumstances are also capable in our lives. These feelings that's going on in David's life is the same that can happen in our life. What's happened? Circumstances happen. We see in verse 1, I believe is the key. We see David's hurt. He's confused. He's in despair. He's looking for an answer. He's going, Jonathan, what have I done? Have I been so bad? I mean, I've only killed a giant. God has called me a man after his own heart. He has anointed me king. I have behaved myself wisely. I have served your father. I have went out and killed Philistines at his command. I have married his daughter. And by the way, your father tricked me. I wanted the other daughter and he gave me another daughter. And he said that might be uh, someone that will make him weak. And then he said, I went out and killed the Philistines. He said, I've done all this for your father. What's going on? He was confused. He was having a hard time understanding. By the way, you ever been there? Here's the problem. Y'all ready? Here's the pivotal point. We see in chapter 20, David started allowing his feelings to dictate his life. Get it now. Instead of his faith. Get it. Here's the message. Feelings or faith? Now, by the way, was it fair? Was it normal? Was it human for David to feel this way? Yes. We all feel this way when circumstances of life happen, when we seem that life is unfair, when we just can't understand certain things. It's amazing. It's normal that we all have feelings. We all have thoughts. But here's where life starts to get very dangerous is when we start letting our feelings Dictate over our faith. Amen's in order right there. Why is this so important? Because we are all so prone to do this. Why? We're people of feeling. We're people that feels. We're people that hurt. We're people that understands. We get confused. We have an intellect. We have emotion. And we are people that God's created in a body that struggles in circumstances. Uh, If someone, the Bible said, you know, we have this little little saying, uh, sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm blue. My disposition depends on you. Our happiness depends on what? Our happenings. They change. 
Feelings is a real part of human nature. But here's what's amazing to me. Ever since he killed Goliath, David's life changed. By the way, most important, something changed in David. Something starts to change in David in chapter 21. We're going to read some things. We just read in chapter 21 some things about David that if you would have asked me, David would ever go to Elimelech and lie to him? I'd have said, no, not David. This is the same man that God just said is after my own heart. He anointed him king because he said he knew his heart. Yet here's David running and coming to Elimelech and lying to him not just once, but twice. This is King David. What happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. He let his feelings dictate his life instead of his faith. Let's look at what giving in to our feelings, allowing our feelings to dictate. And again, I'm not saying to you this morning that your feelings are wrong. You're not going to be able to stop your feelings. You're not going to feel, be able to stop your feelings at times when you feel lonely. You're not going to be able to stop from having uh, feelings when you get discouraged. You're not going to be able to stop when circumstances of life bombard your life. You're not going to be able to stop those things from happening to where we get confused. David was asking why is this happening? And up until this point, he did nothing wrong. Yet, here he is. So let me make this statement. We obviously know that God's going to use David. God had already chosen David. We learned something about David. We know that David's core of who he was was not this. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But as we read chapter 21, we never think this is a man that's after God's own heart, not after what he does in chapter 21. So what's happened? I think here's the application. If David can allow his feelings to overcome his faith as spiritual as he was, I don't know about y'all, I don't know if God, I don't think God would say to me that I'm a man after his own heart, but he did David. And if David could fall, so can we. And so I want to look today at what what we should be on guard of looking at the life of David. And this thing of letting our feelings dictate our life is a very dangerous, very dangerous trend of life that I see happening in the Christian life today in most churches. We're putting our feelings, we're putting culture, we're putting everything else in front of what our faith, our trust in the Lord should be. Now let's look at a few things here. He knew he was anointed king, but what happened? His feeling took over, caused him to trust his feelings, and it caused him he should have been trusting. Now, let's look at it. Let's look at what giving in the feelings of fear, unfairness, hurt, our feelings. Let's let them dictate. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Let's look in David's life. What did it cause him to do? Look at verse 2. And David said unto Elimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Is David telling the truth? No. The king didn't send him anywhere. He's running from the king. But because he could tell the countenance of Elimelech, when Elimelech seen David, the Bible said he was afraid. He trembled. 
David wasn't stupid. He knew already by the countenance of Elimelech that he was not getting a warm welcome. And here's what he knew. He knows. He knows Saul's out to get me. He knew that he needed to do some type of cover-up job because he knew by the countenance of Elimelech, wait, i got a lot of this man. I can't tell him what's really going on. So what did these feelings of fear and disappointment and hurt cause him to do? Y'all ready? Causes us to lie. Calls David to lie. Uh, now look, when David arrived at Nob, uh, Elimelech came to David trembling. Why? Because he, he knew he was scared of David coming there. So Saul realized, or David realized, look, I got, I got to do something here. I got to do something. So out of fear, he, he, his feelings. Now, look, remember, he just been told by Jonathan, look, you need to leave. My father's going to kill you. So David takes off, and the Bible says he flees to Nob. So can you imagine what his mind, how it is roamed? How it has wondered all the bad things that he was thinking, all of the feelings that overtook his life. So when he gets to Elimelech, he says, hey, I'm on the mission of the king. He's lying through his teeth. Think about this. Then also in verse 5, he lies to him again. He said the men that are with him, they kept themselves from women. Well, first of all, David was alone. We find that his men didn't even join up with him until chapter 22. David lied again and said, I have men with me. He didn't have anybody with him. He was alone. So he lied twice. Now wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. This is David. This is David who just a few, maybe a few months before was standing in front of a giant with only a sling and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. This is David. Sitting in front of the priest, lying to him not once, but twice. This was not like David at all. Obviously it was Uh, not the core of David's life. This is not why David was anointed king. This is not why God called David that he was a man after God's own heart. Yet, here we see, right here in black and white, David is lying to, of all people, the priest. David. God would have never chose him if this was his core. So we know that this is not David's core. We know this is not who David was in his core, but this is who David has become. And by the way, listen to me and listen to me well. When you start allowing your feelings of unfairness and fear and struggle and you start giving into your flesh, listen to me right now. There's not any of us here today that cannot fall just like David. And I want to encourage you this morning. Yes, it's normal to have fears. Yes, it's normal to have feelings. Yes, it's normal not to understand things in life. But I want to tell you something right now. We better guard and we better make sure we trust the Lord even when we're feeling. Listen to me. When we yield to the flesh, our feelings, when we yield to our fear, God help us. We cannot allow our feelings to dictate what should be dictating our life. It should be faith. You say, Pastor Mark, what's that look like? Well, when that circumstance in life happens, what do you hold on to? 
What do you have to hold on to? Can I ask you a question? How many of you think it's important that you read your Bible? How many of you think it's important to know the promises of God? It's very important to know the promises of God because when you're hit with a circumstance, you better start holding on to the promises of God and trusting them. In my life as a boy, my father, we were raised, I was telling Clara, this morning as we were coming down, Kaylee and I were coming down the mountain off of Lookout Mountain, I said, now where we're from, everything's like this. In West Virginia, every road looks like coming down off Lookout Mountain. Somebody say amen. We're mountain people, amen. And uh, I don't even know why I brought that up now. I was raised... uh, in West Virginia, uh, now I'm getting there, and uh, I'm gonna be honest. You know, you had these little slogans. You had it. My dad was the king of slogans. Now, as a teenage boy, I didn't always like his slogans, but they always had power. The older I get, the more I think about some of the things my dad said. I said, "Man, he was more wise than what I thought." But one of the times, you know, and by the way, let me just say to all of you parents uh, that are raising children, you better get them tough. You better help them get tough. I'm going to tell you why. Because the world's going to toughen them up. And they're going to have to learn to trust God. Because not everything is going to be fair in their life. Not everything is going to line up like you want it to line up. And you better have an unresolved, you better have a resolved faith in the promises of God. I even remember my father many times would say to me as a boy, he'd say, Mark, sometimes you just got to hunker down and hold on. Hunker down and hold on. And I've learned all through my life, there's been many, many dark nights and storms. I've just had to hunker down and hold on to the Lord. Because the storm's not stopping. But I'll tell you one thing, when he finally does stop, I'm going to tell you right now, he's right there with you. We can always trust in the promises of God. In those darkest nights when you can't see, that's why you've got to trust. You can't feel. There are some times that your heartbreak is so real. Your hurt is so hard to feel. The tears are rolling down your face. You are so discouraged. You are so desperate. There's nothing you can do but feel. But instead of feeling, you have to trust. You gotta trust. You gotta trust when you can't see. By the way, the Lord's promises are true in the dark. The Lord's promises are true even when you don't feel they're true. They're true. You can trust them. You hunker down. You hold on to the Lord. He will get you through. David, we see him instead of holding on and trusting the Lord. This is the same man that went to fight the giant with nothing. So we know that David knew what faith was because he ran to the giant without a stitch of armor on. That's faith. Now we see David scared, desperate, fearful, running like a crazed maniac. Coming to the Elimelech going, Hey, do you have anything to eat? I'm telling you right now. Could you imagine how disheveled, how desperate? This is the same man. That the whole nation of Israel were scared of a giant and he as a young man bravely walked and ran towards the warrior. Same man. What happened? Get it, church. He let his feelings 
dictate him instead of his faith. Can I get a witness? Listen to me. God help you. I don't know where you are today. I don't care if you're a child. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're an older woman, younger woman, older man, younger man. Listen to me. We are prone to have feelings of discouragement and despair and fear. But I'm telling you, when you allow those feelings to dictate your life, it will cause you to do things you never dreamed you would do. So he... Lied. Let me show you what else these feelings caused David to do. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 21. Look at verse 3 through 6. Now therefore, what is under thy hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand. Now wait a minute here just a second. Now we find out he's hungry. Now there's nothing wrong with a man being hungry. Amen. I'm hungry right now. But wait a minute. He said what? He knew what was under his hand. This was showbread. This was hallowed bread. This was unlawful for anyone to eat other than the priests. Let me tell you what else these feelings of fear or hurt, when you allow your feelings to dictate your life instead of faith and trusting the Lord, I'm going to tell you what else it calls David to do. He asked for things he would have never have asked for. He'd done things that he would have normally never have done as a man after God's own heart. He certainly would have never put himself in a place to eat unlawful bread. Now notice this. David asked for two things. Number one, he asked for this bread. He asked for this bread. Now he lied about the bread. The man, the, the priest looked at him and said, now look, you had to make sure you've been clean. The men that are around you said, oh yeah, we've all been clean. Well, there wasn't no y'all, it was him. He took the bread. Now, let me just quickly say, we know that the Lord dealt with this subject in the book of Matthew. Because the Pharisees was trying to use uh, them walking through a cornfield on the Sabbath of eating some corn. And they liked it and said, oh, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And the Lord Jesus rebuked them and said, have you not remembered when David was there and needed a food and he ate of the show bread? He ate of the hallowed bread. Now, here's the thing. It was still unlawful for him to eat that bread. It was wrong for him to eat that bread. He should have never put himself in that place to eat that bread. But what Jesus was trying to teach there was there's a total difference of trying to supply someone's hunger than working on the Sabbath. There's a difference between if someone's about to die on the Sabbath, you give him food. But that's different than going out and plowing a field and working on the Sabbath. That would have broke... Jewish law so we understand man these Pharisees are always trying to find these little ends to try to do the right thing or the wrong thing they're always it just depends on what they want they use these little they use these little ends in scripture by the way we've gotten there today but here's the point he asks for things that are normal. Here's the point. When you let your feelings of fear or desperation or, or hurt or, or, or confusion dictate your life, I'm going to tell you what it will do. Just like David, it will cause you to do things you never thought you'd do. Now, he asks for two things here. We know that if David was acting in faith, if he was trusting in faith, look at me now. He wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be desperate. Can I just say this? A lack of faith. You know what? It, here's what it brings out in people. Desperation. 
It always leaves us feeling desperate. You ever around desperate people? I mean, every, every time you talk to them, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. I mean, you know, you're having a pretty good day until you get around them and you think the sky's falling in. Somebody help me. You know what those people are telling me? Do you know if I act like that with you all the time? You know what that's? Oh, that's just your personality, Pastor. Oh, no, no, no. It's bigger than that. I'm going to tell you what it tells. I ain't got no faith. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's what. That's David. David was the one that walked up on the giant and said, look, somebody needs to kill this guy. Who's going to kill him? I will. Now we find him here. He's so disheveled. He's so desperate. He said, look, I'm about to starve. You're going to have to help me, priest. What's that under your hand? He was desperate. By the way, when you get lack of faith, when you start not trusting God, you become desperate. You say, Pastor, what's that look like? Like I said, everything's bad. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Well, it's going to be okay. I think sometimes I aggravate people. They come to me and they think, oh, I'll come to pastor and man, I'm going to tell you right now, he'll listen to me and he'll just ride on my pity party with me and he'll just tell me how bad it is. Pastor ain't going to do that. You know why? Pastor ain't going to help you to do that because you don't need to stay in a pity party. You need to trust God. There are some rough days that's hit the pastor's life. There's rough days that's hit your life. There's days that I honestly felt like I was going to die. But you know what? I'm still here. And you know what I've always learned? Even when it don't feel like trusting, trust him anyhow. Pastor, I can't figure it out. Good. Now you got a good chance to trust him. Because see, that's where God likes to put us in things that we can't do. See, David, if he would have been trusting him, he said, where's the bread? I need some food. I'm about to die here. I'm about to starve to death. Now listen. I don't know. I'm not going to get ugly here, but I hope to God we ever have something like COVID again. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I hope to God it won't affect us like that one did either. Holes lost. No, it ain't all lost. It's all. It's going to be all right. Desperation is a lack of faith. Oh, I'm not being ugly. I'm going to be honest. There's been times I've thrown my hands up and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at wit's end. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've had some long nights. I've, I've had some long mornings. I've had some long days. I've had a lot of tears. And I know our family, some people have this idea, they go, oh, Pastor Mark and, and Pastor Mark and his family, his wife, they, they ain't had no problems. Listen to me. We're human too. We have problems just like everybody else. And I have feelings just like everybody else. And look, I have failed just like everybody else. But I want you to know something. Our feelings are not our determining factor. What we know about God is what we must hold on to. And here after a while, I promise you this. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. But these 
giving over and letting our fears dictate our life, letting our feelings dictate our life. We will ask for things that we normally would never do. You know what we do? We start making excuses. Oh, that's all right. That's okay. You know the second thing he asked for? Now, this is amazing to me. You know the second thing? He said, y'all got a weapon? Now, he asked the priest if he got a weapon. That's like coming here and asking me if you got a 9mm or 45. Got both. And I got both of them on me right now. Somebody say amen. Say, who's going to protect you? I am. I've watched them... YouTube videos where the guys come up to pray with the pastor and they give them a good punch in the mouth. Y'all seen that one? Guy acts like he's going to come up and have the preacher pray for him. And man, he loads up, knocks the poor man out. I'm like, whew, I don't want to. See, you men need to watch us. That's just trying to get some of y'all to laugh because some of you don't want to have to sleep. Here's what's amazing He says, y'all got a weapon here. And amazingly, Elimelech, the priest, said, yeah, we got the best one in town. We got the sword of the giant that you killed. Now, here's what's amazing to me. He took it. Now, y'all just stay with me a minute. This was the same man that just months before ran to a giant. He refused the armor and the weapons of a king And ran to a seasoned warrior with nothing, with a slingshot and five stones. Now he's scared to death. He has to have a weapon. You say, what happened? I'm going to tell you what. Fear's got him, boy. Feelings have him. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this was the same man. Fear didn't have him when he stood before giant. The Goliath, I mean, Goliath had a spear. He had a sword. He ran to him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Chapter 20 happened. David's at his wit's end. He's feeling afraid. He's feeling hurt. He's feeling confused. He's fleshly. He's allowing his flesh to dictate his thought process. He's letting his flesh and his feelings dictate his heart. And he's forgot that he'd just been anointed king. He's forgot that the very faith where the Bible said that he had behaved himself wisely. Do you know in chapter number 19, 18, the Bible said in verse, in five different verses there that David behaved himself wisely? Now look at him. Y'all got a weapon? Yeah, we got that one. We got that one of the giant that you slew with a slingshot. Let me tell you this. You know what happens when we start letting our feelings of fear and struggle and pain and hurt and confusion, desperation? You know what we start doing? We start relying on what we can do and what we can conjure up. I'm going to tell you all right now, even in the dark, when you can't understand things, you better trust the Lord anyhow. David was better off with no weapon, no armor in the presence and the power of God because he defeated the giant. He would have been just fine without that weapon of the sword of Goliath. 
But see, he's done let his feelings overtake his faith. And then as I close, you know what else he did? You know what else these feelings let him do? There's a really neat statement right here that we find in verse 7 of chapter 21. Here's what the Bible said. Now there was a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg. Now, I don't know about y'all, but Lookout Valley is pretty small. We all know about everybody, don't we? And if you don't know the person, you know somebody that knows that person. And I'm going to promise you this right now. David knew who Doeg was. And David knew that Doeg was a servant of Saul. And Doeg knew that this Saul, and David knew that Doeg was going to go tell Saul. He even said later that he knew that Doeg was going to. And you know what happened? Now, y'all stay with me. Here's what happens when you start letting your feelings overtake your life and not faith I'm going to tell you what it does it will let your you will put your guard down you know what happens here David was in Nob and told him about the bread and and Doeg went and told Saul everything that took place here and you know what happened because of this Elimelech and 84 people and also the cattle were killed because of what David did David later said that he knew that Doeg would tell Saul about his presence at Nob. And here's what, he didn't care. Here's my application. You know what happens when we start letting our feelings overtake? You know what? We don't, we start getting selfish. We could care less about anybody else. By the way, you can tell by when someone else is hurting and all you want to talk about is how bad you're hurting. Ouch or amen or old me or something. Like, I'm the only one going through something. They need to hear me out. No, listen to me. David Dunn got selfish. He knew that his presence there was going to cause problems, and he said, I don't care. You know what? Letting your feelings of unfairness, fear, hurt, disappointment, you know what it will do to you? It will make you selfish. You will only think of yourself. And by the way, the Bible says this we are to think of others. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ wasn't selfish? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ didn't give in to his feelings? He did say, oh Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not mine will, but thine be done. Can I say, I'm telling you, this is not a powerful message because I'm preaching and I'm telling you, this right here has caused more people to fall and to fail and to sin. Letting your feelings dictate your life. See the lessons here. Feel, fear and yielding to these feelings. The flesh causes us to be selfish. We get ourselves in a difficulty and we become afraid. And we think of only us. And rather than correct our error, we do nothing about it. We do not think of the other consequences of our choices. We do not think about the other people that it's going to hurt. By the way, normally in this, we don't care. David got to a place where he did not care. He did not care. But we need to care. We need to realize that our choices and our decisions can and will hurt others. Can I ask you all a question this morning as I close? Where are you at? How are you feeling this morning? 
What about your frustration? What about your fear? What about your hurt? What about unfairness? What about desperation? Where, what are you feeling this morning? You know what? Our feelings, if we let that dictate our life, can be very, very controlling. Just our flesh. When we let our flesh just have its way, it's the opposite of faith. And I'm trying to encourage you this morning, trust the Lord. It causes us, if we don't trust the Lord, it causes us to do things that we would not normally do. It keeps us from being obedient. Don't let fleshly feelings keep us from responding. For instance, if you're here this morning, you could be feeling, ah, that's good and everything, Pastor Mark. That's good. I heard all that. That's good. But I don't need to be saved. Well, you know what? Your feelings are wrong. I don't care if you don't feel like you need to be saved. I want you to know something. Because you're born, the Bible says we're all born sinners. And the Bible says that our sin deserves a payment. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you feel like you don't need to be saved, your feelings are wrong. Number two, you might say, well, Pastor Mark, I can't get saved because I'm too unworthy. I don't think I can receive it. Well, you're right. You are unworthy. You, you or I really don't deserve it. But our God loves us anyway. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. So if you feel unworthy, that feeling's wrong. He does love you. He wants you to be saved. Oh, you say, Pastor Mark, you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the feelings that I have. Your feelings are wrong. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. You can't trust your feelings. You say, Pastor Mark, did you, did you feel saved this morning? No, not at 6 o'clock in the morning when I heard a dog whimper. And somebody say, man... Somebody said, pastor's a pushover. I am a pushover. I just preached last Sunday night and said, we ain't going to keep no dog. Well, guess what? Monday we got a puppy. And I want you to know the lady that got that puppy, she's a con artist. She's a sales lady. She knew if my grandchildren seen them dog and fell in love with that dog, she knew Papa would have a hard time saying no. And Papa didn't say no. He said, it's up to Grammy. And I should have known Grammy wasn't going to say no. So now we are proud owners of a little beautiful Dalmatian. So at 6 o'clock this morning when I was sleeping really good and all of a sudden I heard, I knew he had to get out. I didn't feel saved. (laughs) But you know what? I ain't trusting my feeling anyhow. I'm trusting His Word. I'm trusting His promise. And you might say, oh, Pastor Mark, this morning, I don't know if I should get saved, need to get saved. Could I get saved? Look, your feelings are all wrong. He wants to save you. And He'll save you today by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know something this morning. There ain't nobody like it. When you get to know Jesus, you'll love him. Get saved today. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest with you. My feelings are, I just don't feel like I need to live like a Christian. Well, your feelings are wrong. Your feelings are wrong. You should live like a Christian. Whatever your feelings are, trust the Lord. Put your confidence in the Lord. Not feelings, faith. I'm going to close. I know... I use this illustration a lot, but I think I was there, present, a little 
Stone raised his hand real. By the way, you're not getting out too early, Stone. But Stone raised his hand. He said, but you know what's amazing? Stone can even raise his hand because you know what? Pastor Mark was down there with his parents. Of course, they were there before I was there. But I was minutes after he got there when they told his parents that he had a brain bleed and he had aspirated. I will be honest with you. My faith was very small. It was little. But, man, I was just trying to trust. And you know the only thing I could hold on to was a dog. That's the only thing I held on to. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you talking about a dog? Well, I just thought if the Lord was going to wake up a dog to help the mother to get up, Stone could have been laying there in that bed for minutes, hours, and if he would have, he wouldn't be here today. But God woke up a dog. And as I'm sitting there watching, the faith of his parents couldn't imagine what they were feeling. And I'm just his pastor, and I was sitting there hurting in my heart, but I was claiming to anything. I was clinging to anything that I could cling to. And I, when she told me that story about the dog, I said, Lord, you would never let that dog get up and wake that mama up and get those paramedics down there to help Stone if you're going to let him die. I said, now, Lord, please raise him up. Please don't let this little boy die. Please spare his life. And I said, Lord, if you'll spare his life, we'll praise you. We'll brag on you. We'll have an opportunity to tell the whole world how good you are. And I can imagine, I was sitting there just as his pastor, but I couldn't even imagine what his parents were feeling. But you know what? Through that whole thing, no matter what they were feeling, I know they had their weak moments. And I did not go home with them, and I know at home many times we have our weak moments. But I believe this about Sarah and Scott. I believe their faith still stayed strong in God even when they didn't feel like it. I want to encourage you this morning, let's not be like David. Feelings of fear, frustration, desperation lead us to do things we never dreamed we would do. But old faith will keep us straight. Amen. Faith is our victory. It overcomes the world. God help us to be people who trust, not feel. Let's stand on our feet. I'm going to say to every parent here just a minute, you say, well, I'm going to, I don't really feel like sending my children to camp. Well, you'll never do it. <laughs> you'll never do it. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't want my daughter driving a 15-passenger van. I mean, that just didn't feel good to me. So if I went on my, I didn't, I, I'm going to tell you all this, I didn't even feel like I wanted to put my son in the nursery. My son was the most backward. He made me nervous just looking at him. And I felt sorry for him. He'd go into a little old uh, room and ball up in a corner. No, I mean, just. And, I, and I'd come back at church and he'd still be over in that corner. Hit by. I said, I'll tell you right now, Laura, I ain't putting him back in there. So I started taking him to church with me. I don't ever forget it. A nosy, godly woman. I said, no, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just let Kaylee. Kaylee was friends with everybody. I said, we'll just let Kaylee. So Kaylee broke the rule. I let her break the rules to be in there with her brother. She wasn't that age. She shouldn't have been in there. So one of the godly, I didn't like her at the time, but it was a godly woman. She walked up to me. She said, Mr. Brand, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. She said, are you going to college here? I said, yes. She said, you're going to be here for five years? I said, yes. She said, then you're doing your son wrong by letting his sister come into the class with him. Oh, oh, oh. She said, he needs to learn. She was right. There comes a time in our life that it don't feel good to trust, but we have to trust. Can I get a witness? 
consequences that is huge. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I'm here today, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's not because I feel it, but I know that there has been a time in my life that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know that I'm saved today, and I want to just thank the Lord for it. Would you raise your hand and say, boy, that's me. Just testimony. That's wonderful. That is great. You say, Pastor Mark, I couldn't raise my hand. That's okay. Could I ask you this question? You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? I want to know that I'm saved. I want to get that settled this morning. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me? Is anyone like that this morning? Would you just quickly lift your hands so I can see it? Anyone like that? Where are you at today? Where's your feelings at? Are we trusting or are we allowing feelings to dictate our life? God help us. Amen. They're going to begin to play something. Maybe you know the Lord's dealt with you. Can I ask this? What about uh, joining a church? You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know. I just don't feel it's important to join a church. Well, I'm going to be honest. I think your feeling's wrong. I think everybody ought to belong to a good church. I really do. What about obedience? Well, I just don't think it's that important to obey the Lord and believers' baptism. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe it's very important. Let's not let our feelings help us to do wrong and to disobey. Amen. God help us. I appreciate your patience this morning. I hope you'll take away all the blunders and try to get, let the truth of this. That, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm soon going to be 49 <laughs> in just a couple of few weeks. And I'm telling you, there's never been a more practical, more helpful message that's ever been brought by me than this one today. And it's not because I'm bringing it. These feelings will get you in trouble quick. God help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. I pray you'll help us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Listen, be back tonight, 6 o'clock. We have all the parents of the camp. If you have any questions, you'll meet with the edges tonight. God bless you. Thank you visitors for being here today.